Welcome to church. Today, Pastor OJ is beginning our new series, Ancient Text for Modern Times, where he'll be talking about two possible paths of life and how to choose the path that leads to success. If you're new here, we'd love to connect. You can message us on Facebook, Instagram, or by simply texting hello to 587-323-1199 and we'll respond right back. I'm so glad you could join us today. Welcome to all who are here and uh, joining us online. Now you may wondering, be wondering, like, what was that? What's that ancient footage in this transmission video? Where is it from? Well, that is actually Calvary Community Church in this late 70s, 80s, and 90s. Now you got to remember, we have a young media team, and they actually think that's an ancient era. <laughs> And uh, so to all of you ancient people that were here in the, at, during that era, my apologies on the behalf of our media team. No, we're just joking. Thank you for the foundation that you laid. And, uh, you know, so uh, incredible that the series we're doing now would have been relevant in the 80s, 90s, and it's relevant now. And we're focusing on the incredible relevancy of ancient texts for modern times. And we're actually going to be going back way further than the 80s and 90s. And uh, we're going to be going back thousands of years to the book of Psalms. How many of you enjoy the book of Psalms, incredible devotional book and scripture? And uh, we're going to see the Psalms in one way or another, in many ways, mirror our struggles and our joys today in this modern time. And they actually give voice to the emotions we feel today as we grapple with life's issues. So over the next 12 to 13 weeks, you will experience and view your own life through the lens of these ancient texts. So just a little bit of uh, introduction uh, before I begin the first message. The book of Psalms was actually written over a long period of time by a large number of authors it has the most chapters of any book in the Bible. With a, anybody want to guess? Don't look. 150. 150 that's right. And it also has the longest chapter in the Bible. Anybody want to guess that one? That's right. Psalm 119. Boy, you guys are good. 100, how many verses in Psalm 119? 176. I looked it up. <laughs> 176. And then the shortest chapter in the Bible is also in Psalms, and that is Psalm, right, Psalm 117. Thank you, Elfrida. <laughs> and uh, two verses, two verses. So if you're going to memorize one, that's a good one to start with. No. <laughs> Actually, I recommend you memorize the one that we're going to be starting with this morning as well. Who are the authors? 
Well, we have David, Israel's second king. He wrote uh, about half of the Psalms, somewhere from 73 to 75. Depends uh, who's writing and attributing the psalm, the authorship of specific psalms. And then you have Asaph, who was a priest and David's worship leader, kind of like the worship leaders we have here, but maybe dressed a little different than our worship leaders. He uh, wrote 12. And then you have the sons of Korah. They were a guild of singers and composers, and they wrote 10 of the Psalms. Uh, Solomon uh, wrote a couple, maybe three. They're saying two. I think he might have wrote three, but that's okay. Uh, And then who wrote the oldest Psalm? Moses, right, and it is Psalm 90, and you hear that one used a lot at funerals. We won't be doing that one in this series, but it's an amazing psalm, because we're only going to be able to do uh, 12 or 13 psalms. We can't do 150 in 13 weeks, so, uh, but I encourage you to take this summer to read through the psalms again and just refresh yourself. But more important than the human instrument through whom God breathed, Scripture is God-breathed, inspired. The, more important than the human instrument is the reality that God is the author, just breathing through the human uh, writers. And uh, so that's uh, a little bit about authorship. It was relevant then when they wrote it, and it is relevant now in 2021, even as it was relevant in 1980 and 90. There's five broad categories of psalms. If you uh, were to take and categorize them, there's the psalms of lament. And uh, the psalms of lament is where the psalmist just kind of starts pouring out his heart to God, says, oh man, Lord, I'm going through the... Expressing his sorrow over difficult situation, frustration, just pouring out his heart, lamenting. And then most of the lament psalms, you'll see there's a shift where his focus goes to God. And his spirit starts getting lifted. And hope starts rising in his heart. So about one-third of the psalms are lament psalms. Psalms of praise. Uh, that praise the goodness and greatness of God, both for his character and acts. And then there's this uh, thanksgiving psalms, thanking God for what he's doing. And then there's the royal psalms, which celebrate God's rule through his anointed kings in the line of David. And all of these uh, psalms have a focus on the Messiah as the final ruler of the Davidic dynasty, either directly or indirectly. They could also, many of them could also be referred to as the Messianic Psalms. So that's another category. Then the fifth category is the Wisdom Psalms. And in the Wisdom Psalms, quite often there's a, a contrast between righteousness and wickedness and a focus on blessings granted to those who obey God. So that's a little bit of an introduction to this amazing book that I'm hoping you're spending time in, the book of Psalms. The first message in our series is entitled, Choose the Right Path. Choose the Right Path. By the way, did you notice there's another light on this morning behind me? Praise God that another individual has given their life to Jesus Christ. So at this point in 2021, we've seen 19 decisions for Jesus. Praise his name. And we're excited. We're believing for one a week. We're believing for one a week. So we, let's continue to share the gospel, invite to church in person or invite online and just be involved with, with people. God bless you as you do this. So choose the right path. 
Among the many wonders we're blessed with, one of the most powerful things that we have is the power of choice or free will. Now, I'm aware at times that our choices are limited and there's things we don't have control over, but we can always choose our attitude and our responses in the circumstances we face. I know it can be tough, but we can always cast a vote to say, I'm going to choose this attitude. I don't feel it, I don't think it, but I'm going to choose this attitude. And so we always get to choose the path that we're going to take. Now the reality is the path we take will ultimately determine our destiny. Did you know that? The path you take Begin with the end in mind. We should always begin a path with the end in mind. Where is this path going to take me? Now the wisdom psalm that we're going to be studying today gives us some excellent counsel on choosing the right path. And that's Psalm 1. Probably a number of you have memorized it. I'm going to use the 1984 version because we're calling this ancient text. And that's the one I memorized uh, somewhere in that era, but it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Interesting. Blessed is the man. Now, the Hebrew word uh, that is uh, blessed could basically be interpreted as happy. But the tense here is the superlative form, so it could best be translated, happiest is the man who does not do certain things. Does not do certain things. And the the psalm actually highlights three things uh, he doesn't do, or three cautions about going down the wrong path. In describing these three cautions, the psalmist uses three verbs, walk, Stand and sit. Now the, the literary style of Psalms 1 is actually Hebrew poetry. In, in English, the most uh, distinctive forms of poetry are rhyme and meter, which we're used to. But in Hebrew poetry, the most important feature is parallelism. In English poetry, words rhyme or kind of rhyme at the end of uh, successive lines. Whereas in Hebrew poetry, parallelism matches corresponding thoughts in successive lines. Just follow me. In this section of one, we fi- uh, Psalm 1, verse 1, we find synthetic parallelism in that the second portion advances the thought of the first portion. The verb moves from walk... To stand, to sit. It advances it. So the first instruction we have here is to, is to not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Now that's a word we probably don't use that much, so let me interpret it. The word wicked in the Hebrew is actually the word rasha, which means to be loose or unstable. Unstable. And this uh, thought here could have two meanings. First could be to be loose with morals. As we walk together with the wicked, there will be this strong pull or temptation to compromise our morals or to become loose with our morals. The second uh, meaning of this could also be to be loose from God without him as an anchor or controlling device. Now, it refers to those 
who are controlled by their own fleshly, carnal desires and emotions rather than by scriptural principles and the Holy Spirit. And what this author is saying in the inspired word of God, we need to avoid direct counsel and influence from those who do not have God as their anchor. So uh, don't, uh, don't walk there. As a matter of fact, he goes on. He says, okay, don't stop walking and stand in the way of sinners. This uh, stand is even a closer proximity than the word walk. To stand means to stop and have association with. Now, sinners in Hebrew was an archery term that meant to fall short or miss the mark. Now, the reality is we're all sinners, and we have all missed the mark. And that's why Jesus came to die on the cross for us so that we could have his righteousness. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? Praise his name. Now, the word sinners here uh, refers to those who have deliberately chosen. They've made a deliberate choice uh, in a path of life, a path that is contrary to the way and will of God. Josh McDowell, a Christian apologist, has made the statement, what you believe ultimately determines your values and drives your behavior. I would say it would also determine where your path will take you. Our, if our beliefs and values come from the world, rather than the word of God, we're going to end up on the wrong path, and we're going to fall short of the mark. So then he goes on, he says, is do not to sit in the seat of mockers. Now the word sit means to dwell, remain, abide. It kind of emphasizes a settled in uh, uh, condition. It is actually even a term in Hebrew that they would have used when you sit together in business. There's a term where we would sometimes say in business, we need to sit together to see if we can put a deal together. You're sitting at the table. You're there joining in with them. So he says, don't do that. Don't sit there. And if our beliefs and values come from the world, we will end up being a mocker. Do not sit in the seat of mockers. Mockers is a word that means to ridicule. It, mean, it refers to one who is actively engaged in putting down the things of God and his word by blatant ridicule and rejection. Certainly there's a lot of mockers in our world today. But this next definition of mocking is going to hit a little closer to home. Folks, we can also mock the word of God by the way we live. When we are aware of God's word and instructions and directly disobey it, when we fail to align our lives according to his word, we are also mockers. I believe this uh, verse needs to be read in consideration of the powerful influence of our online world. And uh, certainly the online world is not bad, but it does have influences in it. At present... Uh, Canadians spend uh, one hour and 46 minutes using social media. I was surprised it was that low, actually, but that's the average, and 2021 average, and more than six hours per day using the Internet in general, being online. So my question is, and I really appreciate Christian had no idea what I was speaking on today or that this was in my message. I appreciate what he said. I hope you caught it. 
But the question is, where are you walking? Where are you standing or sitting in the online world? How is the information that you are continually viewing and consuming, how is it affecting you? What about all the online gaming? All the other online interactions? All the other online activities? How are they affecting you? I really think that we need to stop and take a moment and reflect our life in the online world in relation to Psalms 1. We need to ask ourselves the question how this ancient text applies to our modern online world. I really need to think, we need to evaluate what is influencing us? What is influencing us? Because it says if we want to be blessed, we won't receive these influences. So Psalm 1 says what not to do. One, verse 1 says what not to do. In Psalm 2, we move to what the man that is the person that is blessed does. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Again, we find the uh, synthetic parallelism with the words day and night, showing an intensifying of thought here. Now, the word law in this text obviously includes the, the, uh, the law, but it also, the translation of the Hebrew word would mean teaching, instruction, referring to the whole counsel of God, the whole word of God. The blessed man, the blessed person, delights in the teaching and instruction of the word of God. Now, it's not something he has to do. Rather, it's something he loves to do, even as Christian said. It's the meeting before the meeting. It's what happens in your life before you come to church that's going to affect if the worship is alive or not. It's the, sta the state we come in affects us. So, what are we thinking about? What are we focusing on? The word meditate is a figurative word. And it might be best described by uh, what happens with a cow. And for those of you that have driven in the country, I actually grew up in the country. But the reality is a cow has several compartments in her tummy. And she goes out in the morning when it's cool. And she grazes in the, when the dew is out and grazes on the grass. And when it gets hot, she goes and finds a shady spot and lays down in the shade. And then when she's in the shade, in the heat of the day, she begins to chew her cud. She regurgitates it. She moves the grass that she ate in the morning back up, and now she masticates it, chewing it over again and receiving nutrition from that grass for her nourishment. Isn't it incredible? While she's in the shade of the tree. Now, this is really what we do when we meditate, when we think about and personally apply the truths, promises, and instructions and warnings from God's Word, we find our spiritual man being nourished and built up. As we meditate, our mind becomes renewed. Folks, we're bombarded with so much thought in our online world and in our society and culture as a whole. There's just so much noise, so much influence continually attempting to get your attention and focus. We need to keep renewing our mind so we focus on truth. 
appreciate uh, what Bruce said about worry. Folks, if we can worry, we can meditate. Did you know that? It's actually the same action. It's the same process, except the positive way of doing it. As a thought comes, and we want to start worrying about it, we start putting scripture into it. And we start praying over it, and we start meditating, and we start thinking it over it day and night. And that is why it is so important for us to memorize scripture. Now, I'm very thankful for all the electronic devices we have, and I use them all the time. And, uh, but, folks, I want to say this. We need to have the Word of God in here and in here. I was really impacted years ago when I attended a funeral of a friend that had been in the insurance business, and he had passed away, and his uh, pastor got up, and at the funerals, what the pastor said, said that this man had said to him, Pastor, tell the people to memorize Scripture because when you're dying, it is such an encouragement. I've never forgot that statement. The reality is there's going to be those moments where we can't grab our electronic device to try to find the counsel or scripture. When we're on an operating room ready to go under, uh, being put under anesthetic, you probably won't say, oh, just a minute, i got to look something up on my cell phone. You're going to need to be able to quote the scripture in the middle of the night when the enemy knocks on the door with some lies. You're going to have to be able to quote the scripture. And even as you're dying, to be able to quote scripture. So we need to really put the scripture into our hearts and into our minds. And then verse 3 goes on. And this is what happens. It says, he is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And whatever he does prospers. A lot of focus on prosperity these days. But this is talking about true prosperity and the process to true prosperity. And when we look at this metaphor, I want you to think of a physical tree. And if you were to take a tree and you were to cut its trunk, you would find a series of growth rings showing the growth from over the years in that tree. Now it takes time to produce a healthy, strong tree. The more healthy the tree is, the deeper and more sturdy the root system, and the better it will be able to withstand the storms that come. Now that's a picture of our lives. It takes time to grow strong and be deeply rooted in the Word of God. It takes time. Now a life firmly established in the Word of God will be able to withstand the winds of adversity. And if you notice... It says he is like a tree that is what? Just poke the guy beside you that fell asleep, please. This was an easy one. It's right up there. It's highlighted. He's like a tree planted. The word plant in Hebrews language means to transplant. The tree had been out in a wilderness place. And if it would have stayed there, it would not have received the needed nourishment to be healthy. The tree was taken out of the wilderness and carefully and intentionally and purposefully transplanted into a new environment where it could grow. Folks, in our original state, we were born with the sin nature and we were in a dry, barren, spiritual condition. 
And at the time of our salvation, we were transplanted. We were taken out of that environment and transplanted into Jesus Christ. Praise his name. And when we receive Jesus, our spiritual man is made alive. He's made alive and we can receive spiritual nourishment. So he is like a tree planted by streams of water. Water. Now this provides a place with a rich and lush supply of nourishment so that the tree will grow well. Just as the tree is dependent on the supply of water, so is the believer dependent on the abundant supply of the things of God. The waters we're situated by are the waters of God's Word, the refreshing of the Holy Spirit's infilling, and God's grace, peace, and righteousness. Folks, some of us are drying up like our flowers are if you haven't been watering them. We need to water our flowers. We need to water right now because of, because of the dryness. But if we also are, if we're dry spiritually, we got to get to the water. The water of God's word, the refreshing of his Holy Spirit and filling. Then the imagery continues here. He's like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season. Now a tree is a living organism that produces fruit according to the nature that God has given it. For example, an apple tree produces apples, right? Cherry tree produces cherry. Cherries, each according to its design and nature. Now a Christian, a Christ follower, has also been designed to produce fruit according to the nature of Christ that lives within them. In Galatians 5.22, we find the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruit in a Christ follower's life that should be uh, growing as we mature because we're planted where there's nourishment. And then it goes on to say it yields its fruit in season. Don't overlook the word season. We have an apple tree in our backyard and uh, it's not, we're not ready to pick the apples yet. It's not the time yet for the season. See, we see in creation... There is a season for everything. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 says there's a time for everything and for a season for every activity under heaven. When a fruit tree first is transplanted, it does not visibly seem to be progressing because you can't see it. As a matter of fact, I've been frustrated with the apple tree uh, complaining to Barb about it. But anyway... uh, But in reality, what is happening with that apple tree, there's a very important process. And that is the establishment of the root system, which is below the ground, which I can't see. What is happening underground, what is unseen, is critically important to what happens when the right season comes. As Christian said earlier, it's the time away, it's the retreat before the meeting. It's the retreat before the season that counts. It's what's happening before that counts. It's the same way in our lives, folks. The time spent in a private place, on study, meditation, Word of God, prayer. It's not seen. People don't see that. It's critical. It's critical in the production of the fruit that later will be visible. 
I want to encourage us. It is essential that we are patient. I know some of us are wanting to get to the next stage. And I'm excited for you. Even as you're waiting for that next stage. But I also want to encourage you. Be patient. Be patient. We need to allow God's word and his spirit to do in our lives. What needs to be done before we get into the next season. We need to cooperate with God in the different seasons of life. Trusting him to produce the fruit in his timing, in his season. And then it goes on to say, whose leaf does not wither. Isn't this exciting? How many of you have had some uh, flowers wither? Nobody? Wow, you guys are doing good. You've had, okay. Okay. The realities are, for trees, that there come times of intense heat and difficult weather. Now, due to the fact that this tree had been transplanted into a fertile and lush environment, its leaf does not wither. As the heat bears down on the tree, the tree draws moisture from the stream that it's been planted beside. This is also a vivid picture of the realities of life. In life, we're going to have some very intense times of heat. Anybody felt the heat? I'm not just talking about the physical heat. Yeah, we felt the physical heat, but what about the heat of fiery trials? Sooner or later, you'll be walking in them. And it's at those times that our nourishment and hope continues to come from God. In the middle of deep trials, his word is refreshing and encouraging. And when the heat of the trial bears down, we will not give up, but we will press on because we're receiving the nourishment. And by the way, if you're in a deep trial, I recommend the Lament Psalms. They will give you an avenue of expression of the deep emotions. We shouldn't be denying the emotions we're feeling in the deep trial. We should be expressing them to God, expressing the pain in the heat of the trial. But at the same time, we're going to find that it's going to draw us to the incredible hope that we have in the Lord. I so appreciate the 100 days of prayer that has been happening. Thank you, Tammy, for your leadership as our prayer coordinator. And I hope you folks are getting a chance to tune in at 8.30 on the Facebook page. But you can even draw it down at any time on the Encounter Facebook page. But they've been focusing on, on trials and suffering this last, last week. So, so appreciate that, Tammy. Thank you. And uh, we've been hearing testimonies how God has strengthened people in that and as they trust him and then it goes on says whose leaf does not wither and whatever he does prospers can we say that together whatever he does prospers now remember this verse this promise has to be read in context with the entire chapter and particularly together with the previous phrase that i talked about in season now there are certainly going to be periods or seasons of our life where we feel like we are not prospering. And those are the seasons where the work underground on the deep root systems are being developed. The foundation is being shored up some more and being developed through the fiery trials. We've certainly had those in our life and we're in several now, one of them being my wife Barbara and myself are, are in a, a season of the trial of her breast cancer. And uh, thank you for ongoing prayers. 
The surgeon gave a very positive report that uh, I think it was five lymph nodes or six that he took. They came back clear. He also gave a positive report that the margin outside the tumor, the cancerous tumor he took out, came back clear. And uh, Barb is now going through a series of tests at the Cross Cancer Institute. Uh, we'll be meeting with the oncologist uh, this week and uh, kind of sorting out and planning what next steps are in this treatment process. So we're, we're feeling the heat of this specific trial. But you know, God continues to give us grace to prosper in the midst of the trial. Before Barb went in, they went under, they said to her, are you ready? And she says, yeah, I've got uh, over a couple hundred people praying for me. <laughs> so thank you for your prayers. God is giving the grace to prosper in the middle of this trial, even as the roots of our faith continue to deepen. And we want to say to you in testimony that God is good. And he is good all the time. And we continue to trust him. And you know the Bible, if, I wish I could, there was a way I could communicate this better. The Bible is very practical. It gives incredibly practical insights into the issues of life. Folks, the counsel right from marriage, to raising children, to managing our emotions, to handling our finances, finding freedom from bad habits, to finding forgiveness, to finding fulfillment, to finding the purpose of life. It, it, the Bible addresses all that. It addresses where we have come from. It addresses how we can have eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. It's all in the scripture. Blessed is the man or happiest is the man who walks with those promises and who walks in them. I so much appreciated Bruce sharing that testimony. I know it sounded ancient from the 80s, but listen, it's a testimony of 40 years of how God has been faithful. And I've known Bruce and Renette over the years and, and we've walked together and I've seen as they put God's principles to practice life hasn't been always been easy but it's been faithful and God has blessed them and I wish there was a way we could just continue to communicate that if you do it God's way life will work it works when you do it God's way praise his name and I, I want to encourage you folks. We need to walk in community. One of the things the pandemic has done is just, is just broken community. But we need to drive back into community. And we're really emphasizing small groups moving forward. And if we want to stay on the right path, we need encouragement and we need accountability. Encouragement and accountability. And we all need to be in relationships of a small group where somebody can call you out and where somebody can spur you on. So let's uh, keep thinking of that as we move forward in the fall. Discipleship and care happens best in the context of a small group. Psalms 4a, 1, 4a, not so the wicked. Now comes this incredible contrast to what I've just talked about. All the beautiful, incredible promises and blessings that are expressed for the blessed man do not apply for those on the other path. It says, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. 
In this context, in ancient Israel, the psalmist pictures a threshing floor that is used for the grain harvest. Now, the threshing floors in Israel were up on the hills where they would catch the greatest amount of wind. The grain was placed on the threshing floors and then it was crushed with the threshing instruments that went over the grain. And then the workers with some kind of a a type of a fork thing would uh, toss the grain up into the air and the heavier grain would drop back to the floor but the lighter chaff would be blown away by the wind. The word chaff gives an effective metaphor describing a life without God. The lives of the ungodly have no true lasting substance. Even as chaff is very light and the wind can easily blow it away, the winds of adversity and the temptations of life can easily blow away the ungodly. Therefore, in verse 5, the psalmist goes on to say, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. On judgment day, God will gather, even as those harvesters did the grain, all the believers into the heavenly home as a farmer gathers the grain at harvest time. Unfortunately, the ungodly will be blown away from the presence of the Lord to spend eternity separated from him. And then verse 6 ends with this incredible uh, promise. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous. Isn't that exciting? Watches over the way of the exciting of the righteous. But the way of the wicked will perish. The way of the wicked will perish. So we see there's two paths, folks. One path is to walk with God's blessing. The other path is to do it my way. I'm going to do it my way. Which path are you on today? And just even as we come to the conclusion of Psalm 1 and this first message of these very relevant words from an ancient text for these modern times, I want to ask you this question. Which path are you on? Are you on God's path? Are you walking with him? Or are you doing things your way? Jesus Christ said, I am the life, the truth, and the way. He's come that we can truly have life. And today his love reaches to you. If you're here in person, his love reaches to you. If you're watching this online, his love is reaching to you today. And he's asking us to cast a vote. Which path are we going to go on? Jesus died and shed his blood so that you can receive him into your life and walk with him on the path that leads to righteousness and leads to eternity. I'm going to lead us in a prayer in a moment. If your desire is to say, I want to move on to the path to walk with Jesus, I encourage you just to pray this prayer with me. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross for my sins. And today, I'm going to change paths. I'm moving from my path to the path that you have laid out for me. Today, I invite you to be my Lord, to be my Savior. I invite you to lead my life. I receive you into my life, Lord Jesus. Thank you for leading me. Thank you for saving me, and I will trust you with my life. I pray this in your name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, uh, I encourage you to take out your uh, cell phone and text LIFE to 587-323-1199. 
And uh, once you text LIFE to that number, what will happen, a screen will come up, and you can enter in some brief contact information that will connect you to a very uh, helpful online resource called NEXT. We want to support you on your next steps as you walk on the path of following Jesus. God bless you for making that decision today. You know, the Psalms were written as hymns and prayers. And even as I conclude uh, now, I'm going to ask you to just focus on Psalm 1, meditate on it, and meditate on the words of it as it is, as it is sung now. Just open your heart. Blessed is the man, the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Blessed is the man who doesn't stand in the sinner's way Or sit in the seat of the mocker Blessed is the man Blessed is the man Blessed is the man That man in the lore of the Lord. Blessed is the man, that man he meditates on the word both day and night. And he shall be like a tree that's planted by the stream. in a season and whatever he does will prosper all that he does succeeds his leaf shall not wither not so the wicked they will be Psalm 119, verses 1 to 6. The message paraphrase by Eugene Peterson paraphrases it this way. He said, you are blessed when you stay on course, walking steadily on the road revealed by God. You are blessed when you follow his directions, doing your best to find him. That's right. Don't go off on your own. You walk straight along the road he set. You, God, prescribe the right way to live. Now you expect us to live it. 
And then we pray, oh, that my steps might be steady, keeping to the course you set, O Lord. Then I'd never have any regrets in comparing my life with your counsel. God bless you as you choose to walk on the path that he sets for you. Let's stand together. Let's focus on Jesus Christ, the one who gave us eternal life and who will lead us on the path to him. Thanks for joining us. If you need anything, don't hesitate to contact us. You can find more information on our website or on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. We'll see you again soon.